You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. God, you got to follow God's way. You got to follow what God is telling you to do. And he'll be specific. He'll tell you these things. Elijah obeyed God. Philip obeyed God in Samaria. Elijah and God were on the same page. The food that the ravens brought to Elijah could be like a spiritual feeding because he recognized that God could work through unclean things. Many believers will proclaim that they want to be used mightily by God in this world, but all too often, those same people don't live a life that God would use for his good. Today, Pastor Dave will explain how you must be willing to follow God obediently in order to be used by him. He's faithful to use you as you walk faithfully where he leads. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17 as he continues his message, Enter Elijah. Elijah is a stranger. Nobody knows who the heck this guy is. He comes out of nowhere. He goes into the palace. He gets before King Ahab, the most wicked king ever to rule Israel. And he says, it's not going to rain for three years. (laughs) In the darkest days of Israel history, a man of God, a stranger, comes from a desert place into the court of the king and said, As the Lord lives. That's an interesting statement. Why do you think he said that? As the Lord lives. Well, it's powerful because it is said that Ahab and his wife have been telling people that God had died. Ahab and his wife have been trying to get them all to worship Baal. What better way to get someone to worship something else when you tell them that which they were worshiping is dead? So that's why he said, as the Lord lives. Imagine the surprise on Irma. What do you mean lives? I thought you said he was dead. No, I didn't. You said he was dead. They've been telling people that God had abandoned Israel because of their sin. Remember, Israel is the northern country. Remember, Baal was the god of weather, specifically rain. Elijah burst in. He he burst into the to the courtroom and he says, Ahab, it ain't gonna rain no more, no more. It ain't no, he didn't say that. I don't know. I don't think he said that, but you know. If you can't have fun with this stuff, come on. Come on. What can we say about Elijah? What are some of the things we can say about Elijah? Well, number one, he had a heart for the things of God. Elijah had a heart for the things of God. He knew God's name was being blasphemed in Israel. He knew that God's word was being ignored, and he knew that the people had turned from God and are now worshiping foreign gods, Baal specifically. When everything, everyone thought that the Lord was dead, Elijah said, as the Lord lives. Why? Because God was the supreme reality of Elijah's life. Elijah prayed to God. He prayed to God, and God answered his prayer in a mighty way. 
Maybe you have a heart for our country, but your heart for God is bigger than your heart for our country. I hope it is. I hope your heart for our country is not bigger than your heart for God. Our country, in our country today, the name of God, Jehovah, is being blasphemed. Is being blasphemed. His word is being ignored. When, when people are turning to false gods, other religions, and they're looking all over the place for something to worship, we worship the one true living God. We need to tell people this is the, the truth. We have the truth right in our hands. There is child sacrifice happening on a daily basis. Baby after baby after baby after baby is being aborted. That's nothing more than blatant child sacrifice. Call it what you want. He prayed. He prayed in faith. My charge to you, pray in faith and watch what God can do. Pray in faith and watch what God does. So when the word of the Lord came to Elijah, he broke it out. Listen to what it says in verses 2 and 3. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide at the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Because Elijah announced this drought, his life was in danger. His life was in danger because he's announcing that it's not only not going to rain, but it's not going to rain for three years. It's not going to rain for three years and something. So the Lord said, you better get out of here. You, you better leave. These guys are going to have your head. He says, go and hide by the brook Cherith. Go and hide by the brook Cherith. I think Elijah wanted to stay. He wanted to stay and confront Ahab. He wanted to see what was going to happen, but he left because God told him to. I love that. He left because God told him to. He was obedient to the word of God. He was obedient, and he delivered the message, and then he left. He was obedient. I think he wanted to stay there and kind of mix it up. He wanted to mix it up a little bit with Ahab, but God said, no, leave. What I liked about it is, what I really like about it, is I'm thinking of Philip. I'm thinking of Philip right now because Philip was in Samaria. Remember in Acts chapter 8? And there's this huge revival going on. And people are getting saved left and right. There's this huge revival happening in Samaria. And all of a sudden, the Lord taps Philip on the shoulder and says, I want you to go to the desert. And I'm sure Philip said, but Lord, the action's here. Look at all these people that are getting me saved. This is a revival. Isn't this what you want? No, I want you to go to the desert. What did Philip do? He went to the desert. And he, what happened? You know, the, you know the story. He comes across an Ethiopian guy who stopped his chariot and was reading God's word. This Ethiopian guy was in the middle of the desert, stopped his chariot, and was reading God's word. And I don't know, it says he was hiding behind a tree. It must have been some sort of cactus or something like that. And the Holy Spirit said, yo, go, get up there. So he followed the Spirit, went up there, and the Ethiopian guy says to him, who? he's reading Isaiah. He said, who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or another? Well, you talk about an open door. You talk about an open door. Well, you know the story. Philip preaches Jesus Christ to him, the Ethiopian not only gets saved, he says, what prevents me from being baptized? There's water. Philip grabs him, takes him down, dunks him, and baptizes him. Now, the point I'm trying to make is, 
Philip was obedient to what God had called him to do. In the middle of a giant revival, in the middle of people getting saved left and right, he is called out of there, sent to a desert for one person. One person. One person. Now it's believed that this one person then took the gospel to Ethiopia. One person. But see how faithful he was? That faithful. This is what I see Elijah doing. He couldn't stay around to see the results. If the results had happened, he might have become prominent. People might have said, oh, hey, this guy's a man of God. He prophesied and we're not having rain. He might have got a little puffed up and he might have thought he was all that and bad, you know. But he also could have been in danger because people might have wanted to kill him because after all, no, no rain, no crops, no crops, no food. So he might have been in trouble. So the name Sherith comes from an ancient Hebrew root word meaning to cut away. I love this, to cut up or off. And this shows that God had some cutting to do in the life of Elijah during this period. God was using this time to prepare Elijah for what he had in store for him. As I've said in the past, I believe with all my heart that God calls the man or the woman. He calls the man or the woman into ministry, and then he prepares them for that work. He prepares them for that work that he is going to accomplish. You never know. We never know how long the preparation period is going to last. Here, it lasted until the brook dried up. But we go through these according to his timetable. He cuts away that which is hindering his relationship with you. He cuts it away. He takes away those things that are bothering your relationship with him. He teaches you and he molds you and he shapes you into the person that he wants you to be, readying for the work. And as I was studying this, it was really interesting. There are no coincidences in God's kingdom. Anyway, Sunday night, at the end of Sunday night, Phyllis comes to me and she says, do you know this song? And it's spirit of the living God fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Now, I heard it as melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. She heard it as break me, mold me, fill me, use me. But it's the same thing. Melt, break, it's the same thing. It's interchangeable. Listen to what God's saying. Listen to what that song's saying. I want to be used by you, God. I want to be used by you, God. And I'm going to open up my heart to the Spirit and say, okay, Spirit, break me, melt me. Mold me. Ah, so first he breaks you down. Think of the, think of the uh, potter. Think of the wheel. He's getting up there, and he's going up there, and you know, like that. I got some bruises on my head. Dave, that doesn't look good. All right, let's go make it up again. There we go. He, he makes you. He gets you up there, right? Melt me. Take all the stuff away. Break me in half. I don't care. Break me. Mold me then, and then fill me. Fill me afresh with your spirit. And then what's the last thing? Use me. Use me. That's what he's doing in Elijah's life right now. He may be doing that in your life. I don't know. You may be going through a breaking. You may be going through a, a, a molding or a melting. You may be going through a filling, and he might be ready to use you. Don't despise what the Lord is doing in your life. Allow it. Accept it. Let it go. Let it happen in your life. Notice the progression. Melts, breaks, molds, and then he's complete. He fills and uses. It's God's plan. He's doing that with Elijah. He's doing that with Elijah right here because Elijah's going to have, what a task Elijah's going to have to do. We're going to read some really great things about this guy. So great that he never dies. So great that he never, ever dies that God calls him up. 
to heaven. Wow, that's cool. That's neat. So during this time, though, during this time of breaking, during this time of melting, during this time of molting and shaping and using, getting ready to go, God will meet all your needs. God will meet all your need that you have. God supplies all our needs in Christ's riches. For it, we, we, he supplies everything we need. He continues to supply. Look at 4 and 6. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the river Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Interesting. Once again, God is providing in a very, very unusual way. A very, very unusual way. Does anybody know why it's unusual? Give you a chance. Ravens are unclean. They're on God's unclean list. They are unclean, according to Levitical law. They are to be avoided. In fact, even today, in the Middle East, ravens represent doom and death. Even today in the Middle East. But here a raven, here, here a raven brings him drink and food morning and night. Morning and night, he's being provided for by this raven. I wonder if he named it. And I wonder if it was the same raven every day. I don't know. I think like those guys. I can't help it. What was happening here? Very simple. Elijah had to put away his traditional ideas of clean and unclean. If he didn't, he would die of starvation. He had to put away his ideas of clean and unclean. And sometimes we get in the habit of living in denominationalism. And sometimes we got to put away our thoughts of denominationalism and live in the spirit. You know what I mean? This is like living a little bit in the flesh, a little bit in the spirit. But he got to get rid of these ideas of clean and unclean. And also, Elijah was being taught that he, God was emphasizing the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. That's what Paul is trying to do to the Galatians. He's trying to talk to them about the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. So he eats and he drinks. He eats and he drinks. And look what happens in chapter 7. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Well, he prayed for rain, and he prayed for no rain, and it happened. Look at, look at this. This is pretty cool. Guzik makes this point. I want to share this with you. Quote, there is an emphasis on the word there. God promised that the ravens would feed Elijah as he stayed at Cherith. Of course, theoretically, the ravens could feed him anywhere, but God commanded it that it be at Sharif. Elijah perhaps wanted to go someplace else. He wanted to be preaching or doing anything that God wanted him to do, yet God wanted him there and would provide for him there. That's important. When God gives you a specific command, you need to follow that specific command. If Philip had not gone to Gaza in the desert, he would have never met the Ethiopian guy in the chariot. The exact place, God ordained it. God showed him. If he'd, have, if he'd have done something totally different, that would have never happened. God couldn't have used them. If we want to be used by God, you got to follow God's way. you got to follow what God is telling you to do. And he'll be specific. He'll tell you these things. Elijah obeyed God. Philip obeyed God in Samaria. Elijah and God were on the same page. The food that the ravens brought to Elijah 
could be like a spiritual feeding because he recognized that God could work through unclean things. This is almost what Peter recognized. This is almost Peter on the roof in Joppa. Peter on the roof of Joppa, and the Lord lowers the sheep with all the animals on it and said, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's famous word, well, not so, Lord. No, not me. Now, kill and eat. He was trying to show Peter that God is not a God of partiality. I think he's being showed here to, to Elijah, too. God also can deliver the word to you through an unclean vessel. God can deliver the word to you through an unclean vessel. Remember when God spoke to Balaam through a donkey? Yeah, he may be speaking through one tonight. No, that's not true. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, we read, and it happened that while that after a while the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The brook runs dry, and now Elijah has no water. Why did God allow the brook to dry up? Because he wants to teach Elijah, and he wanted to teach us to rely on him and not the gifts. I tell people when they want to talk about the gifts, I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe that every single one of them should be used in the church. I believe firmly in it. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to worship the gift giver and not the gifts. I'm going to worship the one who gives the gifts. And everything else is going to take place when it takes place. I think he wants to teach us that. But as we become dry, as we become dry, we want to rely on his water. We want to rely on his water. Why? Because remember what he told the woman at the well? Remember that story we studied in John 4? He told the woman at the well that if you drink of the water from the well, you're going to be thirsty again. You're going to have some thirst again if you drink from the water of this well. But if you drink from the water that I'm going to give you, if you're going to drink from the water that I'm going to give you, you're never going to thirst again. You're never going to thirst again because I have living water. I have living water. We're to draw from the living water of Jesus Christ. We're to draw from that living water. And I love what Jesus says. I just love this verse. John 7, at the feast, Jesus is at the feast of tabernacles. You know, the one where they carry all the water down and they pour it down the steps and they are all doing all this kind of stuff. And the last day, they don't have any water in the jugs. And Jesus stands up on that last day in John 7, 37. He stands up on that last day and he cries out to the crowd, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Water that will just flow out of his heart. And the scripture basically says torrents of living water. So much, well, you can't even contain it. You can't control it. And then, and then, John, John, because he's writing this after the fact, clarifies it for us. He clarifies it for us in verse 39. John writes this as a narrative. But this he, Jesus, spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit wasn't given yet because Jesus wasn't glorified. 
So Jesus is saying, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And the living water always represents the Holy Spirit. It always represents the Holy Spirit in you, flowing out to touch others' life in so many different ways. Ways that we can't even imagine. Ways that we can't even begin to fathom how God wants to touch somebody. Ways that you don't even know about that are he's working out right now. That tomorrow you're going to find out as he touches someone's life. As you yield to him and do what he asks you to do. The Holy Spirit will just flow out of you. And someone will go, I don't know why, but I need Jesus. It's going to touch them. It's going to touch them. There's a story about one of the revivals in London. A story of one of the revivals is, and a documented story that has been written and documented. This is not just a wives' tale. A story documented how one night during this great revival, and I don't know which revival it was, this great revival, there was such a move of the Holy Spirit, such a move of the Holy Spirit that there was a guy sitting in a pub all by himself drinking, and when the Spirit moved, he fell to the floor on his knees and cried out and accepted Jesus Christ. You don't think the Spirit can do those kind of things. My goodness. He's just waiting for a heart, waiting for one that he can show himself strong. There was no rain in the land, and the brook dried up, but God's water was still available. God's water is still available to you. You may be dry. You may be parched. You know how valuable water is to us. Some of you constantly drink water. Some of you constantly want me to drink water. I'm like, eh. but you, you, you know how valuable water is to our lives and our bodies. You may be parched. I need to ask you one question. If you're parched and you're dry, from where are you drawing your water? From what well are you drawing your water? Because if you're not drawing your water from Jesus Christ, you will always be dry. You will always be thirsty. Because Jesus gives us a water that will quench our thirst through the Holy Spirit. He will give us water that does not run dry. God will send Elijah forth and he will continue to provide for him. Elijah's going to go out. He's going to meet a widow and a widow's son. And he's going to go walk into there and he's going to say, feed me. And she's going to say, I don't have anything. All I have is a little bit of oil and a very, very small bit of flour. And he's going to say, make me a cake first. Do something for me first, and it'll never run dry. And the lady had, as long as the drought lasted, the lady had oil and flour for as long as the drought lasted. God will provide all your need in Christ Jesus. All your need. Not some of it. Not half of it. All of it, all of your need. You need to believe that and trust in that. Christ is the living water. And he wants you to be full to overflowing with that living water. But he said, come unto me and drink. Come unto me and drink. And he wants to see that gush out of your lives. Amen. You are assured. You've been learning from the book of 1 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. Have you ever found yourself in a place like King Solomon where the temptations of the world really had a grip on you? With all the gimmicks of the world, it's not surprising. It's also not surprising that you're not the only one. Many struggle with the temptation of letting worldly things lead them rather than let the things of the Lord lead. But there is hope. 
Just as Solomon came to recognize that all his women, wealth, and wisdom wasn't what really mattered, you too can learn that things of the world are deceiving. So rather than put your hope and faith in the things that pass away, put your hope and faith in the one who's everlasting. God is constant, he is faithful, and he will never pass away. If you missed any part of today's teachings or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you are listening, you realize that you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how He can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's Word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.